If you'll take your Bibles, please, and turn to John chapter 7. We are with Jesus in John chapter 7 at the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles was in the fall. We've just passed the Feast of Tabernacles about halfway through October. And it's a one-week celebration. There is a, it's, a, it's a convocation for, for seven days. So Leviticus 23 makes that command. Seven days you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. On the eighth day shall be a holy convocation to you. You shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It's a solemn assembly. You shall do no servile work therein. So it was one of the three festivals that every Jewish male was required to attend. They had to come up to Jerusalem from wherever they were. They closed down their farm for the week, and everybody lived in town. Uh, But they didn't stay at a hotel. They built essentially a little shelter, a little booth. So uh, tabernacle is like a tent. So it's like a lean-to or uh, some kind of a a booth that they built. So the festival of booths, uh, I think, was probably a lot of fun. Everybody just camped uh, for the entire week. And we're going to see that during this last part of of the week, the very last high holy day of this feast, Jesus will... Uh, give his most shortest and most important sermon that I think that we'll see in John. It is, it's remarkable. It's a gospel invitation to the highest number of people uh, all at once. And uh, we'll look at that today. So let's read the uh, account there in John. We're, we're going to start in chapter 7 at verse 37 and read till the end of the chapter. This is God's word. In the last day... That great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said, Of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh from the seed of David out of the town of Bethlehem, where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers to the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they said to him, Why have you not brought him? And the officer said, Never man spake like this man. Then answered them of the Pharisees, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Nicodemus saith to him, He that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, Doth our law judge any man before it hear him? And know what he doeth? They answered and said to him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. And every man went to his own house. It's interesting. This last day of the feast, Jesus stands and gives a very short sermon. So I'm going to concentrate just on the sermon part. So the sermon part there goes 
uh, up from 37, 38, 39. Um, we'll talk about the rest, but just in case you think that I speed up at the end of my sermons, which I do, um, it's actually planned today. That's, that's part of the plan. So we're just going to look really mostly at the, at the sermon. So what we see is that Jesus stands up. Now, rabbis will be, have taught, will, will be teaching all the way around this huge plaza. That's a, a large uh, kind of a, a courtyard in front of the outer courts of the temple. And there's a, there's a royal uh, pavilion all colonnaded, like a forest of columns on one side um, of the temple. And different, different teachers would be sitting there and lots of people kind of sitting on the ground in front of them, learning all over the place. And, but Jesus doesn't sit to teach this. Jesus stands up, which is pretty important, and he cries out with a, long, with a loud voice. So Jesus is talking on the highest, on the great day of the feast. This is the most crowded that you're going to see. This is as many people as you could cram into Jerusalem in front of, of God's house, and Jesus bellows at them. And he preaches the gospel to them. And so it's a very, very important uh, message. It's, he wants everybody to hear it. And you're going to see that it concerns salvation. It concerns justification of a man before God, before holy God. And it's true teaching concerning what faith is and what the, the work of the Holy Spirit of God is in a man's heart. All of it in the short little statement of a sermon that Jesus preaches. And you're going to see souls saved as a result. It's, it's a powerful, powerful thing. And so what he does is he offers himself as water. He offers himself as a drink for the thirsty soul. That, that you're going to see that this whole uh, festival has developed into basically uh, a remembrance that God provided water. You have to realize just how hot and deserty place that Jerusalem is in the middle of Israel, which is also a dry place. And what they did, maybe, I don't know, three, four, maybe 500 years before Jesus came, the, fe the Feast of Tabernacles had developed into a remembrance that God had provided water. And we'll see that there's rituals that attend the ceremony every day of the feast for the, for the seven days uh, and... Jesus then takes this teaching that they're watching, they're seeing it lived out, and he shows himself as water. If you are thirsty, if any man thirsts, let him come to me. So you see, there's nothing that restores or refreshes a parched soul like water. There's nothing. Nothing that you could put in your mouth that will quench your thirst like water. And there is nothing that can express the joy which a faithful person feels from the consolation of the gospel. When you recognize what the gospel has done to you, it is your treasure of treasures. It's all you want. It's all you want to think about. It's the most important thing to you. It's, your, it's what you would hold on to and let everything else in the world go. Because the gospel suddenly becomes not just an escape plan, but God's very love to you. And when you know yourself to be loved and you know yourself as a sinner to be forgiven and completely accepted from the Lord, Martin Luther said, if I knew for certain sure that my soul was saved in a loving God, I would stand on my head for joy. I should think that's awesome. I would stand on my very head for joy. That is what water does. And he's showing himself. 
to be water to these people. So it's all against the backdrop of this festival. That's why he's doing it. That's why water is important. That's the purpose of it. So we'll see that, that during these times, they're commemorating God providing water to the nation of Israel during the wanderings in the wilderness. So I'm going to show you, I'm going to let the Bible teach us today. Um, every one of these, these verses is the most powerful. You could so easily preach a series of sermons on every one of them. And I'm going to hit them fast at you. But I want you, them to soak in. This is what was recited day after day after day in the temple as they remembered God providing water to their nation. This is from Exodus 17. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come out water of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of all the elders of Israel. They came into a place where there was no water, and millions of people were there, and they were dying of thirst and grumbling and complaining. And God said, I will stand before you on a rock, a rock in Horeb, a rock in Sinai, that mountain of God, and you shall smite it, and water shall come out of it. Jesus Christ was smitten as a rock and smitten and cracked and cleft and cleaved for us. This is Jesus Christ that's being preached. The, the water coming out to restore you, to give you life, to sustain you, to, to, to bless you, is the very person of Jesus. Notice that it's in Horeb where the, the law came. This is Sinai. I will stand on this rock and you will smite it. And it will break open and gushing out of it will be water. Out of a flinty rock. That's what they heard. This is Numbers chapter 20. Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. And it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth unto them water out of the rock, so that thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him, and Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock and said, Hear you now, rebels, much we fetch you water out of this rock. And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. Now, very interesting. You have, the, you have this rock, and God said, Speak to the rock. This rock has already been cleaved cloven it's already been it's already been hacked into do not hit it you speak to it and it will usher forth water but Moses was so angry at these people that he took it and that he took God's rod and he smacked that rock twice for this reason he could not go into the promised land this was God said you despised me you made me of worthless in my eye, in your eyes, and you made me worthless in front of Israel. But yet the water still came. This is Christ the rock. This is Christ the rock. The whole back part of Corinthians 11 is all about this. This, this picture 
of Christ being the rock that water ushered out of. But it continues throughout the rest of the Bible. This is Nehemiah chapter 9. Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai, and spaketh with them in heaven, and gaveth them right judgments, and true laws, and good statutes, and commandments, and madest known to them thy holy Sabbath, and commandeth them precepts, and statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses thy servant, and gaveth them bread from heaven for their hunger, and brought forth water from them out of the rock for their thirst, and promised to them that they should go in to possess the land in which thou hast sworn to give them. This is God's dealing with people. He has a people that he promised something to. And not one of these people have the ability to do what God promised them to do. God had to bring them in from where they were to where he intended them to be. And this is a recounting as Nehemiah is praying. Nehemiah, they've come back from Babylon and they're humbled. This, this peacocky people who's always sinning in front of God... All of their heads were bowed in God's presence. And Nehemiah speaks and says, you are the God that had a plan for us. You are the God that had a, a mercy towards uh, a land for us. And you gave us what we needed. You commanded your law to us. You gave us the institute of the Sabbath that there's a rest for us. You gave everything you needed. You gave bread right out of heaven to feed us with. And you, you brought forth water out of a rock. For, your, for their thirst, and you promised it that they would go into the land that they were giving. So as, as these people in Israel were, were celebrating this, and I, of course, only pulled a few, it stops being just memory, but also looks forward, because all of the prophets take up this theme. And so when they are commemorating this water, what they're actually doing is they're, they're saying, you took nothing and made something out of it. You sustained us and provided for us and blessed us in the past, and that's going to happen in the future. So when you go to Isaiah, this is chapter 48 in Isaiah, this hasn't happened yet. This is the, what's going to happen when the Messiah comes. This is the messianic age that Isaiah is talking about. What will happen when the Messiah comes is what did happen when God delivered us. Go ye forth of Babylon, free ye, fl flee ye from the Chaldeans. With a voice of singing declare ye, tell this, utter it even to the ends of the earth. Say ye, the Lord hath redeemed his servant Jacob. And they thirsted not when he led them through the deserts. And he caused the waters to flow out of the rock for them. He clave the rock also, and waters gushed out. There is no peace, saith the Lord unto the wicked. It is the rock that was broken. It's the rock that is in Horeb, the rock laid in, in Zion, that, that offensive stone, that scandalon stone. That is the rock that was smite, smitten and cleaved, and it's only our only hope. We do not put our faith on Jesus Christ. Did you see that when we, when we read the passage today? But he who puts his faith in, or the, believeth on me, puts his faith in me. It's that idea that you are protected in Christ. God claved the rock and put you in the crack of the rock and protected you there in the rock where there's safety. 
So Jesus Christ's cross is not a rickety bridge that we grab on with all of our hope, hoping that we don't topple off of it. We are in an ark with a door that's been shut by God himself. We're as safe as safe. There is nothing that can get us. There's no, there's no hand that can pull us out of God's total plan of, of our rescue and salvation. Jesus Christ is to us a protector, but more than a protector. We're not, he's not just a shield to us. As he was broken, the very life flowed out of him, and that life is to us. And this is what they were commemorating. This is Isaiah 35. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert, and the parched ground will become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. And in the habitation of dragons where, where each lay shall be the grass with reeds and rushes. Streams in the desert. That's what Jesus is to us. We are not in glory land. We're not in our promised home. We are not in the place where the very, where the very uh, gutters and streets are as precious as the highest wealth of the earth. This is not a place where there is no sun. There is not a place where there is no death and no crying. We live in a place that's barren and full of, of dangers and full of depression and full of adversity. And we are, we are full of doubts on the inside and full of attacks from the outside. And Jesus Christ is to us not just protection. He is life. To go to Jesus is to have life. You go to Jesus for life. It flows out of him to you. It flows out. This is what they said. When Miss Jill today read from Ezekiel, Ezekiel looked at a temple that had never yet been built and has still not yet been built. And he said, and I looked at the front door, which is towards the east, and there was a little bubble of water coming out of the crack underneath the foundation of that building. And I look... And the angel that was showing me around takes a thousand cubits. Okay, cubits like a foot and a half long. So 1,500 feet. He measures out 1,500 feet, and the water was up to your ankles. And he measures out another thousand cubits, and it was up to your knees. And eventually it was up to where you would swim in it, and you couldn't even cross it. It was a river bigger than you could imagine. This is Jesus. Jesus is the water that comes out to his people, and we have to have it. You take everything from me. Take it all. This is it. This is all I want. Why? I have no idea. Why? God has convinced me that my soul was in danger. Why should I run? Why would I know to run? Why would I know that my greatest enemy is the holiness of God? Why would I know? Why won't I be strutty and strutty? Duck up and I'm arrogant like everybody else I know. Why don't I sin just with a thumb in the air towards God? As everyone here does. That's where we live. We live in the desert. And Jesus said, to you I will have water come straight out of a rock. And that rock is Christ. That's what it said in Corinthians when I alluded to before. That rock, that very rock, was Christ. So each day, here's the, this is the, the ritual that they observed each day. The high priest of Israel, in all of his regalia, all of his, his beautiful clothing, would walk through the streets 
from the temple down to the, to the wall of Jerusalem to the pool of Siloam. You can see there was a miracle at Siloam, a healing at Siloam. And they take water, of course, in a, in a golden chalice or a golden ur or whatever. And there is a parade all the way through the streets of town as a procession. And they're reciting and they're blowing the shofar. It's joy. They're taking this water and they're going to take it all the way up to the temple. And when they climb full up into the temple compound, which is all elevated on the very top of Mount Zion, and they come up into the water gate, it's called, because that's the gate to this pool. And this gate comes in on the south, and right there is Solomon's temple, and there is one courtyard after another, all separated with gates. And he comes into the outer, the outer gate, and they blow the shofars, and they recite Isaiah 12. This is ver- one verse in Isaiah 12. Therefore, with joy, shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. Let that sink in. Let that, let that sit the way it was designed to sit. Don't think of God's words as just a few words. There is water in its salvation, the very life to you, and you are damned now and God will rescue you and he rescues you by the water that flows out of Christ's crucified body. And you will draw water out of the wells of very salvation. Jesus Christ is very salvation. And they blew those trumpets joyously and everybody hurrahed. And the water came through the gate and blooming above them was the most beautiful building in the world. And they take it up and they, they are reciting all of these, all of what we read. This is what they're reciting. They're, they're talking about Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is on that day, that very day, instead of coming around and pouring the water once, they, they go around the altar seven times and then they simply pour out the water to God as a drink offering. That means nothing. Nobody tasted it. David said, oh, I wish I had a drink from that well in Bethlehem. And he's, his, men, his men just went, and they ran right through a troop. They went right through an opposing army into Bethlehem on the other side of, the, of an oppositional army, and they drew water out of a well, and they brought it to David, and David went, oh, no, I couldn't possibly drink that. That cost too much. You risk your very life for that. And he took that water that he asked for and he poured it out and he said, this, O God, is for you. I'm going to pour this out. No one will taste it. It's only for you, God. Jesus Christ died for God. Jesus Christ died to vindicate God because God is righteous. And the book of Romans says that he should have destroyed us, but instead he waited And he waited, and he patiently waited while one wicked generation after another lived out their wickedness so that Jesus Christ could live. And when he died and he poured himself out for nothing, poured himself out for nothing, it was to God, oh God, this is to you I will pour out my soul. And we are the beneficiaries. That that, that, that darkened sinner... Underneath the flood of Jesus' water and blood 
is completely cleaned of all of your sin. There is no, no offense before holiness, the very purity of, of God. And you have no offense before him because Jesus is towards God, but at our benefit. We are rescued as Jesus poured his life out unto God for God's glory, not for your glory. We are beneficiaries of God. That's the well of salvation. That's what it says. And while he was marching around that last seven times, they read, it's called the Halil. It's, the, it's, it's Psalm, I think, 113 through 118. And that's how long it took. They had to read all of those songs, 113 through 18, and then right at the end of 113, sorry, one at, at the end of 118, the priest took that golden ewer and he poured that water out at the side of the altar unto God. This is the last part of Psalm 118. I tremble under these words. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me sore, but he has not given me over to death. Open unto me the gates of righteousness, and I will go in them, and I will praise the Lord. This gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter, I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me, and art become my salvation. The stone which the builders refused is become the headstone, not the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now. That's the word Hosanna. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed is he which cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you in the house of the Lord. God is the Lord which has showed us light. Bind the sacrifices with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. Thou art my God, and I will praise thee. Thou art my God, and I will exalt thee. Give thanks unto the Lord for his good, for his mercy endures forever. And he pours the water on the floor of that, of that plaza. And God says, that's all I want. That's what I want. God is appeased. He's blessed. He's, he's satisfied. That water that slakes your thirst slaked God's thirst. God said, do not ever come before me empty-handed. I am God in your dust. And you come before nothing but the water of salvation in Jesus Christ. And you pour out your life in front of God and you live it for other people's benefit the same way that Jesus lived his life for you. And God will work in your life to do great things. And it was that moment that Jesus stands up and he cries out with a loud voice. That's what he does. And people kind of look and no one's quite sure. And suddenly there's 5,000 people looking at him. And this is what he says. This is verse 37. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. 
Do you see? Jesus trusts God's word. God's word does the work. God's word does all of the work. Everything that God does, he does through his powerful word. And it prepares hearts. When Jesus said, no man comes to me unless my father draw him, this is how it's done. God draws you by your, by your application to his word. Those who tremble at his word are those that he works in. That is what happens. This is Deuteronomy 32. This is Moses again. Give ear, you heavens, and I'll speak. Hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew, and the small rain upon the tender herb, and the showers upon the grass, because I will publish the name of the Lord. Ascribe you greatness to the Lord. As God speaks, his speech is like rain on dry ground, and things spring up. There is green around God's word everywhere it goes. Everywhere God's word lands, it is a patch of green life in otherwise desert. This is Isaiah 55. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. And he has just said in chapter 5 of John, Verily I say to you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life. You will not come into condemnation, but you have passed from death into life. Jesus knew that some of those crowd listening to God's word be proclaimed with joy, though they didn't understand all of it, were ready. And when Jesus said, if any man thirst, there were... There was simply, he was just looking out into the crowd. Now, remember the eyes of the Lord go to and from, uh, Chronicles say, throughout the earth to see if anyone wants God. And not one wants God. But Jesus realized that all of God's word had just gone out. And there were people in that crowd that were coming to life. One after another, after another. And he was looking out and he boomed so that the most people could hear And he said, if anybody's thirsty, let him come to me to drink. Suddenly what was happening is that people prepared people, people who God had prepared, were turning to him and saying, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. I never realized I was thirsty. That's exactly what I need. I need need you. And come to me, he said, and I'll drink. People have to know you're thirsty. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. This tiny little one-sentence sermon, powerful as the sun, powerful as the creation of the universe. Do not think that God's creative power in creating the universe is greater than what Jesus was doing in this one sentence. Let there be light is a very powerful sentence. But let any man who's thirsty come to me, I would argue is way more powerful Because that prepped person, that ready person, then who goes, I'm thirsty, and comes to God, comes to God for salvation. And there is a difference, there's a change in him. Isaiah 55, Ho, every one that thirsts, come to the waters. He that hath no money, come and buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without price. 
On Wednesdays, we've been going through the Beatitudes, and we're on the Sermon on the Mount. And he said, blessed are you if you hunger and you thirst after righteousness, because you will be filled. Blessed are you, happy are you, because you will be filled. The second thing I see is those who know themselves to thirsty must come to Jesus. Do you know you're thirsty? That's your first question to yourself. And that has to come from God's word. You have to realize that the water's coming out of the rock, and that rock is very Jesus Christ. Are you thirsty for it, or are you not? Can you stare into it and smirk like the rest of the damned world? Because that's what will happen. Can you, can you go, hmm, whatever, no thanks? Can you look directly into God's only offer of life and just say, ah, is there anything else? Maybe there is. But you must come to Jesus. If you don't come to Jesus, there is no life for you. Though there is water for you coming out of that rock, you must go to the rock. This is Matthew 11. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Later in Matthew, he said, Jesus said, suffer the little children to come to me. Don't forbid them. For such is the kingdom of heaven. Just like them, you come like a child, trusting, not doubting, not thinking you're tricky. A little kid looks to you, not thinking you're tricky, not thinking that you're, you're baiting and switching them. Little kids are not gullible, they're trusting. And that's how a person comes to Jesus. Jesus said, I will give you life. He that puts their faith on me is what we'll see in a moment. And then the last thing I saw is they must drink for themselves. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me, and then they must drink. Do you see lots of people came to Jesus all throughout chapter 6? We had scads of people coming to Jesus, coming to Jesus, coming to Jesus, thinking he was the Messiah, thinking everything was exactly what God supposedly was wanting from them. And they all left with nothing. They left disappointed. Coming to Jesus is not enough. You must drink of him. You must drink from him. The rich young ruler came to Jesus, and he went away sad. He departed sorrowful because he had many possessions. No, you have to drink. Do you remember chapter 4? Jesus preached this sermon once before, didn't he? To one person, totally unprepared at all, misunderstanding in every single way. And Jesus said in John 4, 13, this Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Do you see it? Jesus is now speaking to everybody. This is not to one person. This is to all people, all men must hear the booming voice of Jesus Christ here. So John, back in chapter 7, this is 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture said. Did you catch that? All in advance. The scripture has already said this is how it was going. You read through the, the prophets, you read through the history. That is what the Bible means. 
is you put your faith in God. You turn to me, all the nations of the earth, to be saved, God said. And as the, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now that's amazing. Rivers of living water. Out of my heart towards others. What does that mean? Do you know the song? I got a river of life flowing out of me. Opens prison doors, sets the captive free. I got a river of life. Spring up a well. Then John tells me what it means. Thank you, John, for telling me what this means. Look at verse 39. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believeth on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The water is Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit of Jesus comes upon his people and resides in them, living out his life in you, living out his obedience to God in you, living out his, his, his power in you, in the simplest of dust beings. The God of glory lives, presenting himself to God, and you are there being blessed. You say, God, I have this request, I have this need, I have this weakness, I have this inability, I have, I have this, please help me. In Jesus' name. And God answers you as though you were Jesus Christ. Perfect, completely perfect from all eternity. Never offending him once and only pleasing him always. That is the river of life that the Holy Spirit gives every person who trusts in him. And we are now rivers of living water to others. That the water comes gushing out of the rock and we have to be broken the same as Jesus Christ. You don't want to be broken. You don't want to give your life. You want to keep your life. Then you'll lose it. But he who, who, who gives his life up for my sake will gain it unto eternal life, Jesus said. So what are the effects? Look at verse 40. Many of the people then heard his saying, Of a truth, this is a prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the scripture said that Christ should come out of the seed of David, out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was division among the people because of him. <laughs> Same as now. Same as now. Some will, some will come to him. Some will understand. Some will be crushed and then restored to life. And others will oppose, misunderstand to their end. This is verse 44. And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers of the chief priests and the Pharisees and said, Why have you not brought him? The officer said, Never a man spoke like this man. Then answered them of the Pharisees, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? But the, this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Can you see the curse in their own words? He knows not the law are cursed. As the scripture said, the water will come out of his belly like rivers. As the scripture said, has not the leaders of the Pharisees believed on him? 
But the ones who believe not the law are cursed. They curse themselves in their own speech. Nicodemus, interesting. Nicodemus, Nicodemus that, that comes to him at night because he's such a weenie. Nicodemus, who's one of the Sanhedrin, top, top, top. One of the richest men in town. One of the most powerful men in town. He's basically softening it. Nicodemus said unto him, he that came to Jesus by night being one of them, Doth our law judge any man before it hear him and know what he said? Then the Pharisees answered and said, Aren't you also of Galilee? Search out and look, for out of Galilee arise no prophets. And every man went to his own house. I'm going to end with a benediction. You know what a benediction is? Benediction just means the person delivering God's word that day speaks a word of goodness. On the, on the believers in the room that God has promised good for Jesus' sake. That's what a benediction means. This is from Revelation uh, 22. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst, come. And whoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Amen.